Well, my name is Jeannie Stevens, and may I just say happy Mother's Day to all of the Director of Operations, uh, AKA Moms in the House. And let's just get something out of the way right away. No one in their right mind would actually apply for that job. Um, <laughs> There are no vacations, and the workload does go up on holidays, even this holiday. Uh, but what a job. What a job. And I am proud to say, I am proud to say that I am among you. Um, I am proud to be a director of operations, uh, to be a mom. And, uh, you know, more than any other holiday, I was thinking about this, more than any other holiday, uh, Mother's Day, it produces such a full range of emotions in people, doesn't it? It produces such a, a full range of emotions. In fact, when you think about it, St. Patrick's Day, it does not produce the same emotions in people, especially in Chicago, because no one remembers it the next day. <laughs> But I'm aware, I'm aware that this weekend, it has so many of us, specifically so many of us women sitting in different seats in this room. And so I just, I wanna pause before we dive in to God's word and I just wanna speak into uh, the different seats that we all sit in, in this room today. You know, to those of you uh, who became moms in this past year, we celebrate with you. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. If you want to take a nap during my entire message, I give you complete permission. If you want to just lay down, if we need to get you a blanket, you, you go for it. You go for it. Uh, to those of you in this room that are pregnant uh, with new life, we anticipate. We anticipate with you. To those of you who are in the trenches with little ones every single day and you wear the badge of food stains all over your shirt and you're trying to hide it with your necklace today, I say to you, wear that stain proudly. Let us know, let us know, and we appreciate all that you do. To those in this room today who have lived through the testing of motherhood, and your children are now grown and you have colored over many a gray hair due to the testing that those children have caused. We want you to know that we have watched you and we're looking to you. You are wise and we, we learn from the guidance that you have given to us. To the single moms in the room, we are inspired by you to those who have vibrant and fulfilling relationships with your children, we rejoice with you today. To those who have experienced loss, loss through miscarriage or a failed adoption, we mourn with you today. To those who have lost a child, we grieve with you. To those who walk the very hard path of infertility. One of my dearest friends is walking this road right now. And what I have said to her many times, I say to you, we walk with you. We walk on this path and on this road with you. And forgive us for when we say foolish things, we don't mean to make this road harder. To those who are foster moms, or mentor moms, or spiritual moms in this room, we so appreciate you, and we admire you, and we need you. To those who have disappointment, 
or heartache or there's distance with your children right now. We sit with you today. To those who have lost their moms, we cry with you. To those who have experienced abuse at the hand of your mom, we acknowledge your hurt and we recognize that this day has many challenges for you. To those who are single, and who long to be married and mothering your own children, we do not ignore your hurt or your longing for how you long for life to be. And this day, this day has so many of us sitting in such different seats in this room. And regardless of the seat that you are in, I want to start by saying today, we see you. We see you. And we love you. And my prayer is that this message, that this message today will not just bring hope to the moms in the room, but to all of us. And I brought along uh, a picture of the people that made me a mom. Uh, this is Elijah and Gigi. Elijah's eight now, and Gigi just turned six this last week. And these are the people that gave me the title, Director of Operations, AKA a mom. And this picture, is a picture of the woman that I call mom. And this is my mom, um, hours before I actually officially became a mom. Um, this was in the hospital room right before I gave birth to Elijah. And this was my very first moment of seeing my son, Elijah. This is a picture of him. And I remember that moment. I remember that moment so vividly. Jarrett and I had decided that we weren't going to find out um, with our first child that we were going to let it be a surprise. And so people were, you know, placing bets and figuring out, is it a boy? Is it a girl? And I will never forget in that moment, in that delivery room, when, when Elijah was born, Jarrett said at the top of his lungs, and he kept repeating it, it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy. And, and there was so much joy and delight. And then there was this pause, and then he said, and he looks just like me. <laughs> yeah. And I have many, many moments. I have many moments um, that I don't remember, actually, uh, in those early hours of becoming a mom. But there is one moment, there's one moment that I vividly remember that stands out to me. And after all of the, you know, the hospital protocol was done and everyone that had come to visit had gone home for the night and, and Jarrett had gotten into that like awkward lazy boy that turns into a bed and he was sort of, you know, sleeping in that and, and I was sitting in my bed and I was holding this little seven pound, five ounce bundle. And, and he did, in fact, look just like Jarrett. And there was this surge of emotion that ran through my body, and I was so distinctly aware that I had literally just taken on the world's toughest job, and I remember thinking in that bed, I don't have a clue what to do. I, I don't have a clue what to do. I mean, for real. Like, I was sitting in that bed and I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I really, I don't know how to be a mom. 
There was no manual that the doctors gave to me. There was no book to read. I didn't go and get a degree to do this. I didn't even pass a test for this job. And I didn't know, I didn't know that it was possible to feel the intensity of love that I felt for this little boy. I didn't know all of the protection that was gonna rise up inside of me, this lioness love, this tenderness, this fear, this, this possibility that one day he might have struggles in the world. I, I instantly, in that moment, sitting in the bed, I played out the thought of him having to deal with heartbreak one day. Uh, and in my mind, I mean, he was like hours into the world and I literally, I played out the whole conversation with the little girl that broke his heart. And I'm telling you, she did not leave happy from our conversation. There were tears. I mean, I let her know how I felt about her breaking my son's heart. And the reality that this little baby boy was depending on me. He was depending on me to be his mom. There were parts of my heart that I felt like opened up for the very first time while I held Elijah in the stillness of that hospital. And the love that I had for him was unlike any love I had ever felt before. But I remember in that moment, I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I have what it takes to do this. I mean, I think I'm certain to fail at this. And I don't like failing. There was no way, I knew in that moment that there was no way that I was going to be perfect at this job. I knew that I was gonna make mistakes. In fact, my daughter, uh, a couple days ago, she gave me this card and it says, you are the best mom ever, love Gigi. And I haven't had the heart to tell her that it's a complete and utter lie. There's no way that I'm the best mom ever. And my hunch is that every other mom in this room, you are so aware of your shortcomings, aren't you? You're so aware of your mistakes. You're so aware of the ways that you fail. And mothering, mothering is one of the most vulnerable experiences a person can go through. And moms, we fail just about every single day our failure rate is hovering at about 100%, isn't it? There are no perfect moms. There are no perfect moms. And we all know that. But somehow, what happens to us as moms is we keep getting stuck that we have to do our job perfectly. We keep thinking, I've got to do this perfectly. And I've got to grow up perfect kids and we stress over doing everything just right. We compare ourselves to one another, and then we judge ourselves against one another, and we live under a mountain of anxiety and an insecurity, and there are times where we feel like, if we're really being honest, this is impossible. This is impossible. It feels impossible, and the reason it feels impossible is because it actually is. Every mom in this room has had a moment in her life where she has wanted to say, God, can I have a do-over? God, can I just begin again? Can I just scratch that from the record and start over? And every mom, and probably really every one of us, 
has gotten to a point in our life where we feel like we just don't know if we still have hope. And my hunch is every one of us has gotten to the edge of something that feels possible and we're staring at a wall in front of us and it's a wall of impossibility and we feel like we're losing hope and we're so desperate to begin again, to get that do-over, to start again. And thankfully, thankfully, God is very good at begin-agains. God is very good when it comes to needing hope when we need a do-over, that moment when you feel like a failure and you're not sure if you can keep going on. And there's a passage that I want us to look at and to dive into today that I believe offers us the hope and it offers us the, the assurance of what God does when we feel that we're at the end of our rope. And so I wanna ask you to grab your Bible. We're gonna turn to the book of Romans this morning. It's found in the New Testament, the second half uh, of, of the Bible. It's found on page 783. There's a Bible in your seat back, or maybe you want to look at it on your smartphone. And we're going to dive into a couple of passages in, in Romans 5. Um, and we're going to look at what does God have to say to us when we get to a point where we have lost hope. We're going to start Romans 5. Verse two, it says this, and we boast, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So this passage that we're looking at here today, it starts out, Paul, the writer of this passage, it starts out by saying that we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That the glory of God is a good thing to boast about. It is a good thing to put your hope in. It is a good thing to feel confidence over. It's a good thing to boast and to celebrate about the glory of God. But Paul quickly goes on and says, there's something else that you should boast about. There's something else that you should celebrate. There's actually something else that you can be confident in. And he goes on to say that we should also glory in our suffering. That we should glory in our suffering. Well, I don't know about you, but I have never met a single human being that loves suffering. I have never gotten together with my mom friends and said, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? What's going on? And I've never had a mom say to me, I'm doing great. I'm just glorying in my suffering. That has never been said to me. But what mothering does, what mothering does is that. You see, mothering will expose your capacity for love like never before. Mothering will expose your vulnerabilities and your capacity for love like never before. That's what I was feeling as I was sitting in that hospital room. I felt so exposed and so vulnerable to love. And mothering doesn't just expose your vulnerabilities to love, it exposes your capacity for suffering like never before. 
You see, to love, to love is to suffer. To avoid suffering, to try to go through life and just avoid suffering. I don't want anything hard. I don't want anything difficult. I'm going to avoid suffering. You would have to choose to never love. You'd have to choose to never love. And here's the thing. If you choose to never love, then you suffer. If you choose to never love, you actually suffer. So that is why to love is actually to suffer. And when you love someone, not just the mothers in this room, when you love someone, you will suffer. You will suffer. This is true of all relationships. Love exposes our very deepest vulnerabilities. Now, while I do not believe, I do not believe that God causes suffering, I believe that he uses it in our lives. And that's what this passage in Romans is beginning to unpack for us. And one of the most powerful ways that he uses suffering is he causes us to be utterly aware of our dependence on God. When we are at the moment of suffering, when we are in the midst of the struggle, we are so aware of our need for God, aren't we? And you think about it, even in the darkest hour, the darkest and the deepest hour of Jesus's suffering, at the depth of his suffering, when he hung on the cross, what happened in that moment when he yelled out to his father and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus takes on the ultimate suffering. So he models to us suffering. And not only that, he models to us what to do when we suffer. That when we suffer, we are to cry out to God. Exactly what Jesus did in the moment of suffering. And moms, gosh, is this an invitation to us, isn't it? This is such an invitation to us because so many of us, so many of us, what we do is we work tirelessly to camouflage over the suffer, to camouflage over the struggle. And moms, what happens is, is we pull back and we keep ourselves at a distance and, and we don't want anyone to know that we're having a hard day. We don't want anyone to see that most of the days we're just making this all up as we go along. And suffering, suffering is not something to be embarrassed of, it's something to embrace. And I think often what happens is that when we suffer or when we struggle or when we're in the storm, we feel shame. We feel embarrassment. And so what we want to do is we want to cover it up. We don't want anyone to see it. And yet what Jesus models to us so beautifully on the cross and what this passage tells us says that we should not be embarrassed. Instead, we should embrace it. That we should embrace the suffering. We should embrace the struggle. Can you just think, like, like if, if, we, if we began to actually do this, like that moment when you're, you're walking through Target, because it's just good to walk through Target, <laughs> and, 
and, and you're walking through Target and, and you, you, hear, you hear somebody crying and you know it's not your kids because you're walking through Target and you're happy your kids aren't there. And, and, and you hear somebody crying over on the other end of Target and, and then you catch eyes with this mom and she's pushing this cart and, and this little girl is in the cart and she's crying and, and, and you see it and she's having a temper tantrum and your first thought, your first thought is, gosh, I mean, if you could just get it together, mom. But ultimately, you don't realize that she probably just did something really great and told her kid no. And can you imagine, moms, if instead of staying at a distance, if we actually walked up, and instead of letting her live in that embarrassment, because we've all been there, right? We have all had the kid that had the tantrum and target. Instead of letting her live in the moment and in the embarrassment, to walk right into it and to embrace. To say, I've got like 17,000 goldfish in my purse. Can I help? Is there anything that I can do? I've been there with you. I've had my own moments where my own child has wanted something so badly. Or that moment Maybe where, where you're at the park and, and, and you're there and you'd sort of like packed a lunch and you take the kids to the park and you're like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm a good mom. I packed the lunch. We're at the park. We're playing. We're having a good time. And, and off in the distance, you see this mom and, and you see her and, and she's like packed this organic, free range, <laughs> all food groups represented, no dessert lunch, complete with sandwiches cut into like cute little shapes of butterflies and stars and and everything, and, and you see her, and in the moment, you just feel so much insecurity, and you feel so much embarrassment, because you look down at your lunch, and it's like chicken nuggets, and like cold fries, and like chocolate milk, and, and you look at the mom, and you're like, oh, would you make my lunch? Like, and you have that moment where you feel shame, and you feel like, gosh, I... I wish, like, I wish my kids had her as a mom. And you have that insecurity and you live in that embarrassment. Or maybe that moment when you're all alone and you've just had a really long week at work and you come home and, and your son comes up to you and says, Mom, let's go to the park. I, I got my glove and I got a ball. Let's go play. Let's go throw. And you're like, oh, man, am I exhausted. There's no way I can go to the park. And so instead you say, oh, buddy, I've got a great idea. I'm going to let you play Xbox. In fact, you can go up there, you play as long as you want. You just go up there, you just fry those neurons in your brain. You just fry them away. It's all good with me. And he goes up there and stays up there for a lot longer than you'd like to admit. And you sort of numb yourself out through Facebook. And you have that moment and you think, I don't want anyone to know about this moment. And I know about all those moments because I've had all of those moments. I'm that mom. And I've done every one of those things. And those are the days, those are the days where I feel shame. And those are the days when I feel embarrassed. And those are the days that I don't want anyone to know about. 
But what I'm realizing is that those days can actually serve as a gateway. And instead of being drowned in the shame and drowned in the embarrassment, to actually push in and to know that God embraces me in the midst of that shame. God embraces me in the midst of that struggle. God embraces me in the midst of whatever it is that I am suffering through. And those can actually be a gateway to become some of the days where I can be the very best mom. Because it's in those moments that I am desperately aware of my need for God. You know, that's why, that's why we're doing Eden at the end of this month. Because women need to know that they can cry out to God and say, God, I am in such need of you. And we need to be able to cry out to one another and say, is it only me? Am I the only one that struggles with this? That's why we're doing that. Because what God does with our struggle and with our suffering is what he does is he adds to it. He doesn't add more struggle, but he gives us gifts from the struggle. He doesn't pound on more struggle. He gives us gifts to be received from the struggle. And that's what this passage is all about. That's why we can glory in our suffering. That's why in this passage it says we can glory in our suffering and what God does with that suffering is he actually adds to it because we know, it says, that suffering produces perseverance. And mothering, mothering might leave you with physical scars and permanent changes to your body. It's true. It probably will. But it will build muscles in you that you never knew you had. And you may be tired. You may be tired all of the time. But mothering produces perseverance. Mothering produces perseverance. It builds stamina within the mind and the heart of a woman to persevere and to keep going. And there are moments when the perseverance is so very, very necessary, isn't it, moms? Especially on the days when you feel like you have nothing to give. And some of you this morning are in a season like that. And my encouragement to you today is that your perseverance is not in vain. Your perseverance is actually producing something inside of you and it's producing something inside of your child. And there are moments in parenting when we face defeat and as we encounter those defeats and we persevere through them, that is one of the ways that we become more and more who God created us to be, that God is growing perseverance in us when we walk through the struggle, when we walk through the suffering and we persevere underneath it. Because what this passage tells us is that God doesn't just give us the gift of perseverance, he adds to that perseverance character. That in the midst of the suffering, that as we glory in the suffering, that God adds to that perseverance and then he adds to that character. And character is you being the fullest you that you can be. That's what character is. Character is most clearly revealed when you extend to someone love and care and grace and goodness and they don't even have the capacity to extend it back to you. And that's so much of what happens in mothering, isn't it? That's so much of what happens in mothering. 
It is the feeding and the changing of diapers and the holding and the studying and the playing dress up and the reading of the books with the superheroes and the coaching and the correcting and the kissing of skinned knees and the climbing into your daughter's bed at 3.30 a.m. on Friday night because she has a nightmare about a giant-sized bee that is stinging her. Those are the moments. Those are the moments. No one sees them. But those are the moments where real character is produced. And it often comes through suffering where God adds perseverance and then he adds character. And character is produced in a mother in those moments when she is giving and she's not looking for anything in return. And then what God does with that, he doesn't just add perseverance, he doesn't just add character, but then what he does on top of that is he adds hope. He adds hope. It says in this passage, and hope does not put us to shame. Hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not put us to shame. And I know so many moms, I know so many moms that live under a veil of shame when it comes to their mothering. And that shame tries to keep us defeated. But what hope does, what hope does is hope gives shame a whole new name. Hope takes shame and twists it all around and it reframes our shame. That's what hope does. Hope takes our shame, it takes the suffering and it reframes it all. It tells shame that suffering actually has a part to play. The suffering is actually a part of it. Hope reframes my shame by getting my eyes off of me and putting them on God, who is greater than me and who loves me and is helping me to become all of who he created me to be. And hope, hope helps keep shame from all that I see. That's what hope does. It helps me keep shame from being all that we see. That even though we feel like failures at time, even though we feel like we can't get it together, even though the circumstances surrounding our kids may not be all that we want them to be, even though we feel surrounded perhaps by moms that we think are doing a much better job, that we can have hope we can have hope because we know the God who turns suffering and shortcomings. He turns them into growth and to glory. That God takes our suffering and he takes our struggle and he takes our shortcoming and he turns those into growth and to glory. It's part of God producing perseverance and character so that we can be women that extend the promise of hope. And what's so amazing is if you think about it, the promise of hope is so clearly alive in a mother. If you just think about it, regardless of what you feel today on Mother's Day, we all exist in this world because of a pregnancy. We all exist in this world because a woman a woman was willing to remain in waiting and to be pregnant 
with hope. You, you represented hope. You do represent hope. Your very life and existence represents hope. And moms, when we are living our very best lives, when we are living our very best lives, we become beacons of hope. And that hope, that hope comes through suffering, which produces perseverance, which builds character, and which brings hope to a world that so desperately needs it. On Friday, uh, I got to go to my daughter's school and they had a little Mother's Day breakfast for us. My friend Crystal, she was there too. Um, our kids are in the same class. And, and they had this little um, moment, you know, where they brought all the moms in and we got to sit in the like tiny kindergarten chairs, you know, that are uncomfortable and eat the muffins that they baked and the egg casserole and all of that. And it was a beautiful morning and they sang songs and um, they wrote cards for us. Um, they drew pictures, all of this. And then there was this moment at at the end um, where Gigi came up to me and she had this little box behind her back and she came up to me and she, she placed this little box on the table. And I said, oh baby, it's so pretty. I love it, I love the colors. I love how you painted it. I love that you chose mommy's favorite colors. And she said, mom, you gotta open it. And so I opened it up and inside was this beautiful beaded doughy necklace that weighs about 1,700 pounds. <laughs> and I just said, oh, honey, I love it. It is so beautiful. I love the colors that you chose. And oh, I love how you strung it together on the fishing line and, and all of it. I just, I love it. And she just looked at me with her eyes so bright and so big. And she's like, mom, will you wear it all weekend? I was like, of course. <laughs> And, you know, I, I put it on there in the classroom. And then when, you know, it was all over, I, I you know, obviously I left and uh, went and ran some errands that day and did some things and, and found myself, you know, sort of almost midway through the day and looked down and the necklace was, of course, still on. And honestly, for me, um, one of my biggest struggles as a mom is just highlighting my shortcomings. What I tend to do is I tend to see all of the ways that I'm not being a good mom. I tend to highlight those and to eclipse the places where God is using me in my children's lives. And I looked down at this little 17-pound Joey necklace, and, um, and God just lovingly in that moment said, I delight in you, Jeannie. I delight in you. And what I'm doing in you as a mom, even though it feels like struggles and suffering at time, is I'm building perseverance. And to that perseverance, I'm adding character. And to that character, you can have hope. And later that night, I told Gigi, uh, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to wear it this weekend as I preach on Mother's Day. And Elijah was standing there, and he was like, well, Mom, um, do you have the necklace that I made you last year for Mother's Day? 
And I was like, uh, do I have it? <laughs> you know, and I, I quickly ran upstairs. And so my other accessory <laughs> is my beaded um, paper necklace from Elijah um, last year on Mother's Day. Um, and they are reminders to me. They are reminders to me that God's hope never runs out. Never runs out. And you may be in the midst of a struggle and a storm and suffering that you felt like you, you could not keep going. And what God says to you today is, I have a gift for you in that struggle. I have a gift for you in that suffering. And it's going to come through perseverance. And I'm going to add to that perseverance character. And you are going to experience my hope. And it happens as you begin again. It happens as you begin again. Because hope does not put us to shame. It doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so I want to invite each of us in the room this morning um, to stand. We're going to spend some moments worshiping right now. Um, and as you stand, um, I want to pray for you. And as we put our hope um, in the cornerstone of Jesus, in the hope of Jesus, that when we are weak, he is mighty and he is strong. And for those of you in the room here today that are in the midst of the struggle, that are in the midst of the storm, and you feel the suffering, take hope. Take hope, because God's hope does not disappoint, and it reframes our shame. And so, Father, we, we stand here today asking you to do that for us, to reframe the suffering, to reframe the struggle, to reframe the shame, and God, we feel weary and we feel tired. And we need your hope today. And there are many of us and our hands are stretched up to you, God, just saying that we need your help. We need your help. And so Jesus, we come to you and we cling to you. And we rest in you and we trust in you. Because you are the ultimate hope. And so God, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you that you teach us that we can actually glory in our suffering and that out of that, you bring hope. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen.